this is Tommy Lester here. Just going to talk about, talk a little bit about uh, the William Beaumont Hospital after World War II. Uh, this hospital served as one of the many prisoner of war hospitals across the U.S. that supported the prisoner of war camps at Fort Bliss and surrounding camps during World War II. During early 1945, approximately 6,000 inpatients were treated. In addition, a military school for medical technicians offered specialized training in surgical, dental, laboratory, x-ray, pharmacy, and veterinary procedures. The hospital had a fully equipped physical therapy and occupational therapy center. Also, the artificial eye clinic was open. Later, the hospital expanded into a neuropsychiatric treatment and orthopedic surgery center. Although following the war, uh, WBGH continued to serve the medical needs of Fort Bliss and surrounding military installations until the Army's needs outgrew the capacity of the hospital. Uh, during the war, the hospital trained about 16,000 medical technicians, uh, including over 1,000 WAC recruits. Um, the hospital also became a specialty center for plastic surgery, neuropsychiatric, neuropsychiatry, and deep radiation therapy. Um, but in the last year of the war alone, uh, over 26,000 patients uh, received medical treatment at the hospital. Um, in late 1945, Wemmer von Braun and the original AHT members of the Project Paperclip group used one of the old buildings as their first lab and headquarters and noted by an, ar- by an army historian. Um, Beaumont was only one of the 10 of the army's 63 general hospitals after World War II. Uh, but besides providing medical care to returning wounded soldiers during the conflicts in Korea and Nam, the hospital also provided general medicine and surgical services to veterans and personnel at the Fort Bliss and other installations. Uh, Very hard to eat meals a day. They were served in these long mess halls where bells would signal mealtimes. The food portions would be rather uh, small, and they'd be starchy and dull, so most likely potatoes and bread. This would result in only about several deaths in total, but still not the best. Next up, the health of these internment camps. So, the health aspect of the internment camps was mostly overseen by the WCCA, which stands for the Wartime Civil Control Administration. This was to safeguard the health and well-being of the Japanese Americans, to prevent the spread of communicable diseases, and care for the sick, protect the sick, and the aged at any stage of their internment at the camps. The WCCA called upon any Japanese Americans who could help consult, and they called upon any professional services of any Japanese doctors or nurses to oversee the health-related activities in every camp. As you might have guessed, the camp conditions were very unsanitary, and there were many outbreaks of food poisoning due to lack of proper storage equipment and inexperienced food handlers. A severe outbreak of diarrhea was caused by spoiled meat 
and this was horrible for many of the Japanese people, as you might have guessed. One of the main things that really caught my eye was how people had children during these internment camps. Now, the stays there weren't lengthy, but people were pregnant when they were put into the internment camps. And as it turns out, they were actually offered real hospitalization at a county hospital, wherever they were near. Um, they were treated not with the best condition at these hospitals, but nevertheless, they, were, uh, they did deliver the babies. And I just thought that was a little bit of interesting information. Now I'll talk about the reasons why these health risks were there in the first place. Well, it turns out that in many of the camps, the new arrivals found that they weren't uh, that they weren't properly received, meaning that the people at the camps weren't prepared to put them anywhere. They didn't have proper clothing, and just overall security and everything was at an all-time lax, as I've read. Instead of fully operational hospitals, patients and medical staff were greeted by very basic aid stations, much like the jungle aid stations inside of World War II. Very limited, and they didn't have much to work with. This happened even with the lengthy procedure that the United States went under. They had a very long planning and construction period for several months and even with that several months, the hospital centers, the infirmaries, proved, uh, proved to be designed faulty, under-equipped, under-supplied. They didn't have the right staff. All the basic supplies were limited, and the essential equipment that everyone would need and use was missing. Things like sterilizing equipment and surgical, surgical procedure equipment was nearly impossible to find in these internment camps. This ill preparedness, I guess you could say, was so bad to the point to where at one internment camp, they weren't even finished completing it. They had four months to go until the center was officially open, but nevertheless, there were people, people there. So, they were missing essential x-ray equipment, uh, stuff that I have mentioned before. No ambulances were available for a hundred, uh, for a 640-acre compound. And this went on for three months, and they weren't able to uh, acquire the essential medications that were needed during the time period. So they would just have to suffer without it, and that was... That was the course of action that United, the United States decided to take. As you might have guessed, with the understaffed and ill-preparedness of these uh, internment camps, things got rather hectic and stressed for both uh, doctors. Uh, at the internment camps, they would have both white and Japanese doctors working there. And the white doctors would not treat the Japanese people with as much kindness or just overall humaneness, I guess you could say, as Japanese doctors did. Therefore, this led in uh, to stress conditions between the both of them, and many fights actually occurred uh, between the two, I guess, uh, oppositions in this case. 
Strangely enough, most of the Japanese patients that were at the internment camps treated this with a grain of salt, and they were very kind about this, which is strange in my opinion. They treated the uh, Caucasian medical staff with much respect, even though they weren't respected themselves. And as I said, they took it with a grain of salt. Now, continuing on with the internment camps, I'll talk about the one that was here at Fort Bliss. This is why I brought it up. Uh, the exact date and opening of the internment camp at Fort Bliss is unknown, but it was it was definitely can be pinpointed during the time period of the early year of 1942, earlier in that year. Uh, it was a very little-known confinement space. It was very out of the way, and people probably didn't even know it was there. If you would have asked someone, where's the internment camp back in 1942, they probably wouldn't have been able to tell you. That's how well it was hidden. Um, there was a very limited population in these internment camps, and it only it pretty much stayed the same for the entire uh, stay there. Nearly halfway into the first year, only 29 uh, Japanese and uh, 29 Japanese, 18 German, and nine Italian enemy aliens were put into the internment camp there. So that's a total of 56 individuals, and it only vacillated between one or two between the next uh, two years that while the war was going on. Strange, but it did happen. Now, I can safely assume that the health conditions in El Paso might have been better, although I wouldn't risk money on it, per se. I would say that they could be better, but most likely they were the same. They might have been understaffed, but since this was very not populated, I guess you could say, um, they might have been better prepared for a smaller population of people. But still, the conditions in comparison to everywhere else most likely would have been the same. There's no, correct, uh, no direct thing saying that it was or was not. I can only assume as to the majority of the internment camps uh, in the United States were like this. So that will end my section, and thank you for listening and the rest of the podcast now. You're welcome. Well... Thanks for having me talk about this with you guys. Honestly, I'm happy to share my grandma's experience there at the William Beaumont Hospital. And I'm sure she wouldn't mind me telling it too. Uh, Let me think about it. Hmm. I remember her telling me that my grandpa uh, had took her really early in the morning due to her appendix rupturing. Uh, (laughs) Well... It's tough, let me tell you. I've known quite a few people who've gotten their appendixes ruptured, and uh, it's not a good time at all. And, well, trust me on that one. Well, my grandma, my my grandpa, who's affiliated with the army, took my grandma. Um, I should probably just, yeah, I'll just call her what I call her uh, at home, Nana. Uh, well, anyways, my grandpa took Nana to the hospital because my grandpa was part of the army when he was younger during World War II. 
he was an engineer who worked on pl- uh, airplanes. I forgot what they were called. Flight engineers, I think. Anyways, uh, that's how he kind of knew about Fort Bliss, and he was stationed there for a while, uh, after somewhat after the war, uh, just doing his kind of his job, really. Actually, I've already said a couple of things about what my uh, my experiences were with the William Beaumont Hospital before uh, during this podcast, so I won't go into too much detail. Well, uh, yeah, sorry, I ranted for a little bit, but yeah, so my grandpa took my grandma to the William Beaumont Hospital. She said she was in a lot of pain at the time, and she felt like passing out. Well, apparently, once they got there, they waited a couple hours for some sort of attention. The The wait was supposed to be really long due to some inconsistencies in staff. I don't know. That, that's, what my, that's what my dad said, my grandma said, but I don't really know for sure. Fortunately for her, they roomed her and got her treated for the pain she was in, thankfully. Uh, they, they then followed up with a procedure that... Uh, also took a while. My grandpa actually told me, and I remember this uh, being said, that it was almost a full 24 hours before my grandpa found out how my na- uh, how Nana was doing. While my grandma was at the hospital, though, uh, she learned a little bit about it from a couple of staff members that were helping her out because she was kind of curious about some of the some of the like the pictures in there. They seemed really old, and there's a couple of pictures of um, some of some pictures about William Beaumont in there actually. And she asked about it, and I've already said what I've heard from Nana in the podcast, so I don't want to go into too much detail as well. I just know that there was a lot of waiting going on at the hospital, too much even. Uh, what Nana said, but. In the end, she turned out to be fine, which really, it's all, it's all that matters. And uh, the insides of the hospital. Apparently, they were really long and, and tannish. Uh, basically like any other hospital in El Paso, really. But my dad says that hallway seemed a lot more narrower, actually. And otherwise, it was really nice. She also said that the waiting rooms were were filled with retired veterans, my uh, Nana said, and other people who were critically injured. Um, apparently, there was there was a really fam- uh, familiar story that I know uh, that she tells during this story, and I know it because she'd always used to tell it all the time while she was saying this uh, this story. There was uh, apparently this one guy who was in his room, and uh, he was he was really um he was making a lot of noise. That's what I remember. He was really loud. I think he was screaming actually. And my my grandma, this would drive her crazy because she never knew what was happening to her or happening to the the guy. Maybe it was like some sort of accident that happened at Fort Bliss to this this guy. I don't know, but 
whatever it was, it, it was probably really serious. But yeah, the the hospital is actually primarily for serious injuries, so it kind of makes sense why there was someone in so much pain there. Oh, how sad. I think about it now, and I feel a lot more bad for that guy than when I was talking to Nana back then. When she left the hospital, it was really good because she finally got to go home. Apparently, she didn't really like it in the rooms because she hardly got any attention other than the time she asked questions. But she did eventually finally go home from there. So, yeah, she was she was all right in the end. Nothing bad happened, and the procedure went great. Fortunately, um, yeah, fortunately it was okay for that time. But unfortunately, uh, my, my grandpa did pass away when I was 12, so I don't remember a lot of specific things that were important. The story actually... Uh, had stuck with me for some time. I I'd actually forgot about it. But really, I'm glad uh, I'm able to kind of share it for this podcast because it, it really had some significance. Uh, I remember my dad actually helped me out uh, with remembering the story, which is why I mentioned him during the, during the story. Uh, yeah, me and my dad just kind of uh, talked about it and... We were trying to gather up information of what happened and like what 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 she experienced there really. Uh, the story it actually stuck with me for some time and I'm really glad I remembered so much about it with my dad's help. But uh, honestly, I wish my my grandma was here to tell you herself. I mean, an interview with my grandma telling about the the Beaumont Hospital would have been a lot better than just me talking about it. Uh, yeah, actually, uh, my, my dad helped me a couple days after I, I, I already said that, but he did. So thanks to him for actually being able to help me a lot of the specifics around the story. Actually, as soon as he told me something, it just come back to me and I'd remember it. It was actually, it was, it was pretty nice. To, to talk about Nana again. Well, anyways, uh, I'd like to get back onto the podcast, so let's go.